I'm going to start off, and I'd like us to read Psalm 150, because that's where we're going to camp out today. Psalm 150, and it's six verses long, so it's not too long. And I'd like us, if you're okay with this, we'll have it on the screen. I'd like us to read it out loud, and I'd like us to read it loud, because most likely this song was sung in a loud, boisterous, real celebrative fashion. So, are you, go- you, guys, you guys with me? You go okay with that? Here we go. Let's do it together. It's the b- biggest voice you have. Ready? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now I, hey, yeah, there you go. I grew up, I don't know about you, some of you never grew up to church, maybe you're here for the first time. I grew up going to a church, and my mom would actually say this phrase a lot. And she would say it in funny times, like I would spill my milk at the table. I had four brothers, so then it would, you know, there's all kinds of milk spilling. And then she would just say, praise the Lord. And then sometimes we would be trying to fall asleep in the morning, and all of a sudden my mom would barge into the room, and she would say, praise the Lord, it's time to get up. And then she would go into one of her songs, like... Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Like that was the environment I grew up in. And bless my heart, she has a gold, my mom, she's got a golden heart. Uh, she's trying to teach my brothers and I what it means and why it's valuable to praise God in every circumstance. But over time, as I kept hearing the phrase, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the, I began to loathe it. I began to hate it with a passion, like, shut, when she'd come in the morning, like, shut up, don't sing, praise the Lord, you know, and she's trying to teach us, but I, oh, I grew, and eventually, I began to wonder, like, what does that phrase mean? Is it just a psychological coping mechanism to deal with the painful realities of life? And I started to think, like, that's all it is, and, and I wondered, like, or is it, you know, it, there's, there's such a thing as a morning when you don't want to get up and give God the glory, glory. Like, that's just how I felt inside. And I eventually grew numb to the phrase. And I even kind of, I put it aside. I, I categorized it into cliches Christians say to avoid reality. That's where I went with that phrase. And then Ryan screws me over because he says, Josh, I need you to preach on Psalm 150. And I'm like, okay, cool. I start looking at it. And praise the Lord comes up. 13 times in this one chapter. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Really? Are you serious? And then to uh, make matters worse, he goes, yeah, you know, Josh, this passage really reminds me of your personality. And then I was like, oh, so you're saying I'm a walking Christian cliche. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I just, oh. And then I started to dive into the passage. And I started to wonder, and I started to question my, my, my criticism. Is this just a Christian cliche that people say to avoid reality? And as I dove in, as I got real, and as, as I thought back on my life, I realized praising God is the greatest weapon you can use in the bloodiest of battles you will face. Because life is difficult. It's filled with trial, struggle, setbacks, roadblocks. You know, every day is, every one of you is fighting one. And praise is a weapon 
that you can use in that battle to defeat discouragement. That's one thing that praise is. It's not a cliche. It's a weapon. It's also a key that will unlock the most oppressive prison you could ever find yourself in. And some of you are in the prison today of addiction, could be that you've dabbled in that, might be porn, now it's just full-fledged addiction, might be substance abuse, I don't know what it is. Or it could be subtle prisons, but just the same, they're just as powerful and destructive. Like the prison I sometimes fall into is the prison of comparison, where we just get consumed of you know, measuring ourselves up against other people. How come they're much farther along? How come they've had this success and I haven't? God, what's going on? Why isn't this happening in my life yet? And we, in the, we find ourselves in the prison of comparison. And the, 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 the track on that, if you're on that track, you're in that prison, it will lead to isolation and depression. That's where it goes for me. And praise becomes the key that sets you free. It's not a cliche, it's a weapon. It's a key. And lastly, it's a cure to some of the deadliest maladies of the soul. And we all have them. Different sicknesses that settle in. Different maladies that settle in. One of them is spiritual amnesia. Where all of a sudden you forget who God is. You forget what he's like. You start thinking he's just like you. He solves problems the way you do. He's limited like you're limited. And you start having a very small view of who God is. Looks more like yourself than anything else. Because you've gotten spiritual amnesia. You know where that leads? That leads to another sickness that's even more terrifying and more sad, it's the little life syndrome. (laughs) Because you start living with the sense of God being small, and then you stop believing that he can do great things through you and with you. And instead of having influence around you, you have very little influence to no influence to no legacy at all. You've got a little life when God dreams of a big life. What's the cure to some of these maladies? It's praise. Praise is the weapon for your battle. It's the key to unlock you from the prison you might be in today. And it's the cure for a sickness that maybe your soul has, has contracted. It happens so easily. I've dealt with all these and more. And praise, when we grasp it, will break us free. When we grasp the power of praise, we'll not ever hear that phrase, praise the Lord, we'll never hear it the same way. We'll never hear it the same way. And we'll want to live that phrase with our whole lives. So that's where we're going today. But first, we've got to get a clear understanding of what does praise the Lord mean? I mean, it's here in the scriptures, but really, let's get in and pack it, unpack it, and really look at it from lots of different angles, okay? So if you've got your Bible, Psalm 150, you might already be there since we read it. If not, turn to it now or your flat screen device, get Psalm 150 up because we're going to hang out in Psalm 50 for a bit. We find Psalm 50, sorry, 150, it's at the very end of the Psalms. You guys have been in the Psalms for eight weeks, right? You know it's divided up into five books. We're in the very last book. We're in the very last chapter of the fifth book. And, and uh, that's, where we're at. that's where we're at. You know that the Psalms are comprised of two main categories. You guys have talked about this. One category is laments, right? Where we bring all of our angst and our pain and our confusion and our sorrow to the Lord. And we, and we look at the world around us and the brokenness that we see inside ourselves and in our world, and we grieve. And it's a good thing to grieve with God. And the first three books of the Psalms are comprised mostly of 
laments. They, they outnumber the other category. The other category is praises. And this is the, the times where we look around at our life and we look at God and we look at our world and we go, wow, God, you're great. Look what you've done. Look what you've done. You're amazing. And praises are this other category, laments and praises. First three books of Psalms, mostly laments. They outnumber them. Second, the last two books of the Psalms, mostly praises. They outnumber laments. As you travel through the book of Psalms and you get to the end, you're going to find the last five chapters are all praises. Every one of the last five chapters. I think of it like a fireworks show. The Psalms are fireworks, and you see these different praises popping throughout, and all of a sudden you're going to get to that finale, right? And you're waiting for it. You're like, oh, that was an awesome. Oh, that was a great. Oh, this was a cool one. And then all of a sudden it's the finale, right? We love it. We get to the last five chapters of the Psalms, and it's praise, 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 praise. Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, and then 150. It's just like, boom, the finale. Praise, 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 And it's just like, whoa. That's, that's the idea of where we're at here with this psalm. That's where it sits in the whole book of Psalms. And we don't know exactly when this psalm was written. Most likely it was David. And most likely it was the time when Israel, who had been in exile, are returning to the country. And they're able to rebuild their temple. And they're able to, again, praise God and experience his presence in the temple. And this is probably the time that this writing is going on. That's the context. Now let's get right into the chapter, Psalm 150. It's only six verses long as we've shared. And the first one line, the first line of that psalm is actually one word. And that one word is going to repeat itself every line of the psalm. It's going to happen 13 times, okay? So if we get this one word together, we're going to have 50% of the content locked. Got it? So let's look at this one word. It's this word, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you think of when you think of hallelujah? Well, you probably think of Shrek and that amazing song. (laughs) Jeff Buckley's incredible version. Hallelujah. It's actually a compound word. Hallel, which means to boast or brag. And then Yah, which is a shortened form of the name Yahweh, the name for God. So to boast or to brag about God. To say something good about him. To admire him. To praise him. And that's where we get the English translation to praise the Lord, to boast of God. This theme of praise is so central to scripture. It actually comes up over 300 times in your Bible. Okay. It's such a central theme to boast of God. Think about someone in your life that you, uh, something, maybe something or somebody that you boast or you brag about. You boast or you brag about. For me, when I was nine, I was bullied worse than I'd ever been. And I was seriously, I have no reason to be bullied at this point. I was just, I'm less, I was just skinny and uh, awkward, but I was uh, in elementary school. I was in fourth grade, and there was a fifth grade kid who really looked like he was like eighth grade. I don't know what was going on with him, but I'm like, that kid's not in fifth grade. He was huge. And he was as big as my brother, who was in eighth grade. So I'm just like, he's big. And he would come over to me in the playground, and he would just wail on me. And there was nothing I did, and this just happens as a sad reality of life, but he would just come over and just start hitting me and like kicking me. I was like, what is going on? And I couldn't, I couldn't do anything to overpower or defend myself. He was just that aggressive. And so I became a runner, and I would just run. I was really fast at the time. I was second fastest in my whole school at the time, in, in the fourth grade class. I'm trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> Yamamoto, I'm serious, that's his name, and he was the one guy who was faster than me. I'm like, I will beat Yamamoto one day. Um, 
I was, a, I was living in Bangkok, Thailand at the time, so I had very, lots of different, very cool friends from all over the world. And so I became a runner, and I was running all over the campus, and I would run to a classroom and hopefully take refuge with a teacher. And seriously, like every day it was happening for about a week, and I was running, and I was sprinting, and I was running here and running there and sprinting there. I'd see him, and I would run, and my life became just filled with fear. And I remember telling my parents, like, I was embarrassed, but I'm like, I can't believe this is happening, but this, this guy is beating me up. And, and they're like, oh, no. Like, they didn't take, they, they took it seriously, but it wasn't, like, super seriously. I think they were waiting till it got worse. I don't know. Um, and then what happened was the next day after I told my parents, I was, I see him coming. Boom, I'm off running again. And this time, I'm just, I feel like he's gaining on me. I'm like, he's getting faster as he, you know, practices. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm running through the cafeteria. And I'm just like, it's outdoor, open-air cafeteria. And I'm just, I remember vividly this whole situation, running through the cafeteria, like, (gasps) and I come around a corner, and my brother, Justin, is standing there. And he's in eighth grade. He's a little bigger. He's into karate. He's pretty good with martial arts. And he's standing next to his friend, Rick Iriarte from Chile, good friend of our families. Rick is a 10th grader who's like a brick of a man. And Justin's like standing next to Rick. You can imagine how my heart felt when I came around that corner and just saw like, (gasps) you know. Now, Justin usually would beat me up and pick on me. But in this instance, he steps forward. And little did I know, he had overheard my conversation with my parents about this bully. And, And little did I know, I'm there. Justin steps in front of me and the bully. And I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? Oh, my, this is a showdown. And the guy, like, the, my, my bullier, he, like, stares at my brother, and then he just starts coming at him, like, oh, you're, I'll get you, and then I'll get your brother behind you, that kind of a thing. And so he starts coming at my brother, and my brother's, again, into martial arts. I'm not promoting violence here, but I'm just telling you the story. <laughs> but he does one of these things I'll never forget, but he does, like, a stomach punch while the guy's coming at him. And then it causes him to go down like this. And then he does a knee like this. And then he flies back like this. And he's just sort of startled. And I'm like, what the? Like, I didn't even know my brother could do that. Like, he hadn't pu- pulled that one on me, at least. <laughs> he did other things. And I'm just like, oh, my. And the guy was like this. And my brother's like, stop hurting my brother. And then the bully just, like, runs off. And I never was picked on again. <laughs> And I tell you what, ever since that happened, I would, when, I, when I would talk to people about, like, who's your brother? I'm like, let me tell you about Justin. And I would just tell him, and I would boast, and I would brag about my brother because of how he affected my life. It's, this, is, this is the idea of bragging and boasting about somebody or something. And in the, here in Psalm 150, it's about bragging about the Lord. You admire him. You boast about him. You enjoy him. You've been affected by him. <clears throat> now, it says, hallelujah, boast about who? God. We're going to answer some questions as we go through Psalm 150, the who, the what, the why, and the how. And we start off by saying, who do we boast about? It's God. And it's God alone. You'll know through that scriptures, you're going to see God wants our praise exclusively. He calls for no rivals to come against him in praise. Now, if you're married in this room, you get this. You know, the thought of some guy taking your wife, it's just repulsive to you. You're like, no, that's wrong. God calls us his bride. We are the bride of Christ. It is only right for him to say, I want exclusivity with my bride. 
That's the exclusivity that God longs for. There's a right place for jealousy in a relationship that's committed like that one. And God knows that we're created to praise, right? It's not, it's not if we're going to praise. As a human race, I mean, talk about everybody and every continent. It's not if we're going to praise. It's what or who we're going to praise because we're made to praise. And God wants exclusivity because he knows that if we don't praise him, we're going to praise other things. And when we praise other things, they're going to ensnare us and they're going to drain the life out of us. You know, we start to pursue things like money or wealth or status, especially living here in the Silicon Valley. It's so easy. We start praising like physical things. Like, we want that. We need this. We got, got to have this. We got to have more of this. We got to have, right? And you start going after those things. You start praising those things. And then those things end up ensnaring you. You start praising. You start going after sex. We just live in such a, a sex, we're just bombarded by it. And we start thinking that's what's going to fulfill us, whether it's porn or whether it's relationships we're going back and forth. It's just like we start going after that. We start praising that and putting that above God, and all of a sudden, it ensnares us, starts to drain the life out of us. Same thing with you know, notoriety, social power. It's the same deal. You start going after it. I want to be known by everybody. You start praising it. It starts ensnaring you. And yet, when we praise God and we say, okay, enough, no rivals, God's going to be number one, what happens? It's, it's him who we were created to praise. Now we're in the right relationship with the right God, and now God sets us free. He's the one who doesn't take. He's the one who gives. He gives. He gives you freedom. He sets you free to be who you are, to be what he's made you to do. He sets us free. So that's why there's this clarion call throughout the scriptures that God alone is to be worshipped. In fact, even angels get this. When John is seeing this vision that the angel is showing him in Revelation 19, look at what happens. He says, at this I fell at his feet, at the angel's feet, to worship him. But the angel said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant. I'm picturing like, whoa, can you imagine <laughs> this massive angel, I mean, just powerful being that you just blow your mind. Of course, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to worship this thing. And this angel's like, stop. There's only one. There's only one, he says, who's worthy to be worshiped. Not because God's some, you know, megalomaniac who does, you know, I need all the attention. No, no, he's the creator of the universe. He's the one who put breath in your lungs. So it's just a right relationship when we go, you and you alone, you and you alone are the one to praise. Then the psalmist goes into where? Where do we praise God? Praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Pretty simple here. The sanctuary, it's going to be temple language, right? They're thinking of the temple, and the Jewish people would worship God in the temple, and that's where they would experience his presence. So it was God's presence on the earth, okay? So the, the psalmist is saying, David saying, worship God on the earth where his presence dwells, right? In that time period, it was the temple. And then he says, worship God in the heavens. Some of your Bibles might say, 
Firmament, it's kind of an interesting word, but it literally is like the expanse of the heavens. Think of stars and planets and sun, moon, and think of them just like, 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 rat, like tightly um, pulled and stretched over the earth. That's kind of the image the Hebrew people would have in their mind when they heard the word firmament. And, the, and David is saying, praise God in all of the expansive universe, right? Ever expanding as we now know. Praise God in the, in the universe. So what is he saying? Praise God on earth. Praise God in the heavens, all the universe. And it's amazing. We get a picture of what heaven's going to be like. John, as I mentioned, who fell down before the angel, that just before that, the angel shows him this picture of, of this is going to be like, you know, in the new heavens and the new earth. And then there's a throne where Jesus is seated, you know, and there's people all around him, thousands of people from different tribes and languages, and they're all praising Jesus. And there are these crazy creatures encircling him. And there are these elders, these leaders that are just bowing down before him. And, and, and we get this picture of what's going to come. And David, I believe, is saying our worship on earth, praise him on earth as it is in heaven. It's almost like, man, that's happening now. And if we could almost peel it back right now, we'd be like, oh my gosh. You know, as we're worshiping God even here, it's like we're joining in with what's happening up there. So David is saying, man, praise God on the earth as it is in heaven. That's where we praise him. Then the psalmist goes into why. Why do we praise him? So, uh, verse 2. Okay, that, we just got through verse 1. Pretty awesome though, right? We already got like half of our content. Look at this now. Why do we praise him? Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Boy, God's done powerful things. Let's just, just pause for a moment. Just think about some of the things that God's done. Just pause for a moment. Every time you look at creation... Every time I drive by Westcliff at Santa Cruz and I look over at the ocean, I just go, wow, God is powerful. He's done powerful things. When I was with Ryland, my four-year-old, when he was two, I would just hold him and we'd look out under the stars and I remember looking up and trying to teach him the word star, 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 you know, all these stars. And then he just looks up and he goes, wow. And I'm like, that's a way better translation. I mean, come on, that's it. He got it. We get it when we are aware of it. Wow, the wonder that we have when we realize the amazing acts that God has done. And you don't have to just look outward, but let's look inward. Just for a moment, let's look inward. Your body that you are in, you're in your body, and your body is freaking crazy insane. Let's look at some of the things that are going on. The DNA in your body, if we uncoiled it, Right here, if we uncoiled the DNA in your body, it would stretch 10 billion miles from Earth to Pluto and back. That's in your body. Your skeleton renews itself every 10 years completely. Isn't that wild? You're like a new person every 10 years. The lining in your stomach is replaced every four to five days to prevent itself from digesting itself. Isn't that insane? You would eat yourself from the inside out if this didn't happen. The brain, your brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections, more than the number of stars in the Milky Way. That's going on right now in your brain. Your blood circulates about 12 thousand miles every day. 
This is like traveling from east to west across the widest part of the Pacific Ocean. From east to west. That's how far your blood travels every day. That's happening in your tiny body. God has done amazing things. And we praise him for his acts of power in our world and in our body. But also, just to think, the most impressive act being that God, in all of his holiness, creates this world that says no to you. And sin comes in, and God doesn't just tear it up and start over. He enters the broken world in the person of Jesus Christ. He takes on our sin upon himself on the cross, dies our death, the penalty that we deserved, rises up from the dead, defeats sin and darkness, defeats death and, and, and all our sin, and makes a way for us through faith in Christ to have a relationship with God. I mean, this is, whoa, this is the most impressive act that God has done. He's done great things. And we don't just praise him for like what he's done in the world or, or with our soul, but we praise him for who he is. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at once. He's beautiful. He has no past. He has no future. He exists outside of time. He never changes in his character. He's perfect in everything he does. He's always loving. That word praise is derived from two words, the French word prize and the Latin word that means price. So when you declare praise, you're declaring the worth of God. He's worth, he's worth everything. The psalmist then shifts to the final question of this psalm, and that is, how do we praise him? How do we praise him? And this is where you get all this music that comes setting in to this verse. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, the harp and the lyre, timbrel and dancing, strings and pipe, clash of cymbals, resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Here we see all kinds of varieties of musical expression. All kinds. There's dynamics. There's soft. There's loud, right? There's joy. It's mostly joy-filled um, instrumentation that these would be used for. Now, this is kind of interesting. Musicologists using the Hornbostel sock system of classification. Did you realize there's such a thing? It's true. They have categorized music into four categories, okay? Idiophones. I'm not going to go into all the details on what these are, but you just need to know about them. Idiophones, chordophones, aerophones, and membranophones. Every one of the verse, every one of the instruments that's brought up by David fits into one of these four categories. And God is basically saying, like, like, let's use all the different instrumentation around the world to, pr- to create a vehicle that we could praise God. And when I was looking up, I was like, this is strange. And I looked at membranophones, and it said... This group includes all drums and kazoos. And I was like, what the? And I had to look up another source. I'm like, really? Uh, Hornbostel sock system of classification. Idiophones, chordophones, membranophones, kazoos. What? Kazoos are included in this, you know, instrumentation around the world? And so what we're going to do, I'm like, I've never seen a kazoo used in worship. Have you? Today, we're going to see a kazoo used in worship. Are you guys, you guys okay with that? If we could have Dwayne and the crew pass around the kazoos, go ahead and grab a kazoo. Don't blow it yet. Just hold on to it. But pass those kazoos around. As you get them, hold on to it. And I'll give you a little instruction 
and then we're, gonna, we're going to play the song, the doxology, on our kazoos together, okay? Now, this is a cool fact. This list of instruments tells us that God wants every class and group of people to praise him. And here's how we know that. When he lists off the instruments, he starts with the trumpet and then he goes down the list. The horn or the trumpet was called the shofar. That was blown only by priests, okay? Then he goes into the harp and the lyre. Those were only played by Levites. The timbrels, which is kind of like a tambourine, those were typically struck by women. And then all the other instruments, dancing, stringed instruments, pipes, cymbals, these were played by anybody who wanted to join in the band. So literally, when you see this list, it's like, well, instrumentation, the sky's the limit. And then as you see the list, wow, everybody plays a part. That was the worship, the praise of God while David was writing this psalm. So, anybody not have a kazoo? Okay, now, real quickly, tutorial. Big end in your mouth, not the little end, contrary to what you might think. And no blowing on it. You've got to hum. You've got to just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay? And we're going to do this. We're going to do praise God from whom all blessings flow. I'm going to film it because I've never seen anything like this. I mean, this is just the weirdest thing. So it's going to go something like, And then you know the rest of it. If you don't know the song, it's okay. Don't feel bad. Just, just kind of, you know, blow along with it. Um, so are we ready? Who could film this? Because this is good, man. Can one of you guys film it? Okay. Are we ready? You got it? Okay, we got film going. Here we go. The doxology on kazoo because it's biblical. Give yourselves a hand. (laughs) Never thought you'd hear a worship song with a kazoo. Now you did. We get a lot of awesome teaching from this passage with all these instruments. And music, you notice music takes up a big... Those are yours to keep, by the way. I won't ask you to pass those back in. Music plays such a powerful role in in our praise of God. It's so... Powerful, right? You heard a song on the radio and it just, or, you know, Spotify pops up and you, it takes you right back to a memory you had, right? Mine was Brian Adams. Oh my goodness. I'll date myself here, but you know it's true. Everything I do, oh, I do it for you. You know, the, okay, most, okay, lots, of, not everybody, but uh, like that, I, I'm right back. I am 16 years old 
It's raining at Jacoby Creek School parking lot. I've just broken up with Rachel, who I was dating. Now we're back together in some dramatic kind of turn of events. And it's raining, and we're dancing to that song because it's playing on her car, and the door's open. I'm just like, there I am in that parking lot. It's so weird what music will do and the emotions, right? An old pop music producer said in his genre of music and pop music, it's only possible to write four kinds of songs. I love you. I hate you, go away, and come back. That's every song you can hear right now. You can put it in one of those categories. How different it is, you know, when it comes to God. There's just, it's like facets of a diamond. It's unlimited. So many things that we can praise God about. So many themes. Music is powerful. And it's not just music for praise, but it's movement. You see in this verse, it talks about dancing. We're exhorted to move with our bodies. You know, some of us like to lift our hands and worship. My parents would embarrass me because they're hand raisers. So it's like when we're in there, you know, I grew up in a Baptist church, so not very many people lifted their hands, but my parents would just be like, oh yeah, they're just praising. They're just praising. I'm like, oh boy, like it's kind of embarrassing. But then God got a hold of my heart in high school and I'm like, wow, I want to express my love for God. And I, I was feeling, feeling confined to just stand there. So, you know, you know, there's different ways to, and you may have seen some of these online, but there's different ways to, you know, lift your hands. I was trying some different things. Like, this is like, this is like hold the TV. This is like hold the TV. You just praise and, you know. And then it's like widescreen. You just, just widescreen. You praise and it's widescreen. This is like hold my baby. You just, Lord, thank you. you just hold, and then this is Mufasa, right? praising him like this. There's all kinds of, this is wash the windows. And this is like single gals are like, come on, no ring, no ring guys, take notice, take notice, right? This is pledge allegiance, one of my favorites, pledge allegiance. Okay, um, I was thinking of another one because I do this a lot. I'm like, this is like, I don't know, kung fu or something. This is like, I'm ready to battle. There's, um, there's pointer. Okay, there's hatchet, there's pick me. There's pick me. And then there's village people, there's Rocky, and there's touchdown. There's all kinds of different ways. All kinds of different ways. I stole that from a, I stole that from somebody much funnier than me. But there's all kinds of ways to praise God with our bodies. And something else we see in the Psalms, especially in Psalm 150, it's just so exuberant. It's so exciting. And um, I tell you, one time I was leading Only King Forever. You are the only king forever. You know the song? Almighty God, we lift you higher, right? And then third row, I look down, and like, there's like three people, and they're all drinking coffee, and they just look bored out of their minds. They're just like... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. It's just, I wanted to jump down into the third row, like, come on, wake up. Like, we're singing about the only king forever, you know. Oh, man. The, it, the, it, when, our, when our worship lacks passion... Something's wrong. It just is. Now, I get it. There's some days where I'm like, you know, I don't want to worship. And I'll talk about what to do in that situation. But, boy, when it lacks passion, something's wrong. Because we can go and see, you know, Coldplay or I just saw the U2, U2, you know, Joshua Tree reunion. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. You know, people are lifting their hands. Like, some guy didn't even know. Look at me. It's like, he hugs me. He's like, oh, my gosh, the streets have no name. (laughs) And I'm like, who are you? Like, this is crazy, you know. Uh, But here we are. It's like. You too, cool. these bands, they're not going to like be there for us, you know, when we're in our darkest season. 
You know, there's only one God who's, who's gone far above to do everything he can to win you back to him. There's only one God who promises his very presence in you, you know, that's going to never leave you and forsake you. There's only one God who can heal you inside and out. There's only one God. And it's like, boy, if we can't get excited about praising that one God who's alive and well, something's off. And then it gets to verse 6. He goes, he concludes with this, everything that has breath. Praise the Lord, in other words, by all means possible, with everything in me. Praise the Lord, you guys. It's not just a Christian cliche. As I've dive, dove, what's the word? Divin? Divin? Gosh. As I've, as I dove into this, you can't say I've divin, divin, dovin. Let's make up one. As I've dove into this, I've come to realize um, our praise, it's, it's a weapon. It really is. And I don't know what trial that you're going through right now. I don't know what battle that you're going through right now. But when you praise God, when you really just say, God, I'm going to praise you for who you are, you start realizing God's not like me. He's not limited. He's not, he doesn't operate by the law of scarcity. He's always the God of abundance. He's unstoppable when it comes to his purposes and plans. And he'll, he'll, he'll move. He'll move in your life. He'll move through your life. He'll move in spite of you. This is the God we serve. And when we're discouraged because we're in that battle and we start praising, it becomes a weapon to come against that discouragement. Sometimes we talk about feelings. Sometimes we get ruled by our feelings. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like going to awakening this morning. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like praising God. And all of a sudden, this is what we learn. When we praise, even when we don't feel it, it's like we're preaching to ourselves and speaking truth over what's not true. And you can see what happens. You see Psalm, David does this earlier, Psalm 43. He goes, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, have you realized the most, the, that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? So when you praise, you use this weapon, it overpowers your feelings of discouragement, reminds you of who God is, and you can move forward and win that battle. It's amazing what happens. Israel would send worshipers in front of the army when they would go into battle. They would send a whole worship team. I don't know if they're like, we don't, they didn't like the worship team anymore, but they just put them out in front. And uh, we need some new players. No, because there was something powerful about going into battle by just proclaiming who God is. And, and boy, I, I can get discouraged, you guys, and so can you. I was really discouraged just one year ago. God had called me to launch this thing called Anthem, which is a collective. We're, we're here in the Bay Area to try to raise the temperature of worship so that people would come to, to know Jesus all through it. So we've got songs that we do. We've got events that we do. And at the heart of what we do is this school where we train worship leaders and we place them in churches if they're not already in churches. And so I felt God was calling me to it. It was a two-year process, and we're working really hard to get this thing going, and we're 60 days before school is supposed to start, and we've got one student who's applied. And I'm like, God, I'm like, you jerk. You know, why did you lead me to go do this? And it's, you know, it's going to be a failure. And then I start thinking, and people are going to think I'm a failure? I, that's what I'm worried more about, like people and what they think of me. And I'm just like, oh, God, this is horrible. And then I was just directed, and a friend of mine's like, Josh, you got to have faith. And you got to have faith. you got to trust God. you got to praise him for what he's done. Okay, so I start praising. 
You know, in those moments of discouragement, God, I praise you. You're good. You're amazing. Even if these things flops, it doesn't matter. I'm just being obedient to you. I praise you. you. This is what you've done. This is who you are. You're unstoppable. Your purpose is, you know what I mean? You're not limited like me. And I just start praising. And I get into a little bit of a habit of praising. And 60 days later, and this isn't like name it and claim it, but this is like God moving. God brought 11 people to the program. We were able to accept nine and just pour into these nine students. And there's a photo of some of the students, not all of them, but uh, Gabe and Jess were part of it and uh, a group of a number of awesome, great people. And so it's when you have discouragement, turn to praise and watch how God uses it in the battle that you face. Our praise is also that key that unlocks that prison. And for me, you guys, it's comparison. That's the one I oftentimes find myself in. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I know the prison bars. I know the smell of the place. I'm like, here I am again. And I was just there a month ago. And I was starting down my path of like, why is this person more successful? How come I'm a failure here? How come I haven't gotten this far? How come? And it's just like, oh my goodness. And I felt like God speak so clearly to me. He was just saying, stop, Josh, stop. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, like that wasn't me, like someone else is here, oh yeah, and then God just says, practice gratitude, and that's all I heard from him, I'm like, and I had a choice, I could say like, no, I like this prison, I'm used to this place, I've grown accustomed to it, and I could just push him, in fact, I could start blaming God, in fact, you're the blame for the reason I'm here, you know, that's what we do, and instead I said, okay, Lord, okay, and I said, all right, God, I praise you. I praise you because you've been faithful in my life. And I started listing for 90 minutes. I began listing ways that God had been faithful in my life. And by the time I'd gotten done the 90 minutes, it was like the posture of my heart completely shifted. And I was like, wow, God, thank you, Lord, for who I am, who you've made me to be. I'm enough in you. I don't have to try to be somebody else, to please somebody else, to fit in with some other group, to be acknowledged. God, you see me, you love me, you know me, and I'm yours. And you got me right where you want me. And I just want to be faithful to you. And I tell you, that 90 minutes of praise just turned my heart. So if you're in a prison today and you're like, I can't get out, if it's like addiction or if it's comparison or other things, you can just say, all right, you know what? I don't know exactly how to get out of this, but I know praise is the key. And you start grabbing that key and setting yourself free by the power of God. Lastly, praise is that cure for that disease in your life. And there's lots of them, but I'm thinking of that disease of spiritual amnesia, where it's like you just forget who God is. You forget what he's done. And when we praise, it's like we set up little memorials. You know, even when I told you that story a month ago, I'm like, that's a little memorial for me. Because I can go through my life and go, I'm discouraged again. I'm starting to compare. Oh, wait, God spoke to me then. It's a little memorial to remind me, hey, God is alive, and he's with me. So when you praise, you set up a little memorial. One of the most powerful memorials in my life of praise is when we had our son, Rylan, who I told you about looking up at the stars saying, wow, he's four now. And Rylan, we didn't know if we could have another baby. Uh, London, my first baby, there's so much trauma in the birth, and I won't go into it. It was just very, very challenging and difficult and scary. And we remember, my wife and I are like, boy, it'd be great to have another child, but man, I don't want to go through that again, you know, especially her. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And we wondered if we ever would, and, um, but we wanted to. And, and God connected us, I mean, supernaturally connected us with a doctor in Monterey named Rick Alexander. 
He's one of the most well-known OBGYNs in all of Monterey County, and he's a believer. And we connected with him, and he was able to share everything that had gone wrong last time and all the ways it's going to go right this time if we do this. And we're like, okay, Lord, and then just trusting and saying, okay, God, we're going to trust you and praise you. And I will never forget, and this is a prominent guy, and people look up to him. And if you mention his name in Monterey or Carmel, like, oh, yeah, we've heard of him. People, I'm like, and all the nurses and doctors. And he's on the elder board of a church, a great church in Monterey called Shoreline. And he's there in the hospital room, and we're having Ryland. This is it. This is the moment. And Ryland comes out, and he's healthy. And Danny's healthy, my wife. And, 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 and Rick, um, I just feel so much confidence with Rick. Oh, my gosh. It's like before with the first baby, I was like sitting back, like, I'm going to faint. I'm going to faint. And then when Rick's in the room, I'm just like, I'm right here, Rick. I'm right here. Rick's with me. Rick's with me. It's like, you know, when you get around those people and they just instill, infuse confidence in you. Uh, he's like, you want to cut the cord? You know, I'm just like, yes, I do. Usually I'd be on the ground. Um, you know, and so Rylan, and he sets Rylan on Danielle's body, and Danny's got him. And then right in, that mo- right in that moment where I'm like, this is crazy, he goes, grab my hand. Let's praise God. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like right now? Like there's other nurses around. He's just like, let's praise him. Grabs my hand, puts his hand on Danny's shoulder, and just begins to praise God. Praise you, God. Praise you for being all-powerful, the one who gives life. Praise you, God, for, for redeeming a broken situation for there to be a healthy baby. God, praise you that that's not the trauma this time, that there's, it's going to be great. I mean, just praise you for all that you do and all that you are. And, you know, I'm just like weeping in that hospital room. Praise you, God. Praise you. He didn't care. He didn't care about his reputation. He didn't care what nurses thought. He didn't care about anything. He just knows. You know, when it comes down to it, life is so fragile. And he gets to see life being born. And he's like, wow, there's a God in heaven, and he's moving, and he's alive, and he's powerful. And we're going to praise him. And boy, I tell you what, you guys, if you're facing, if you've got that, that, that amnesia that's set in, you're like, ah, you know, just, just start to praise him. And as you praise him, it's going to be the cure. It's going to be the cure for that sickness that's kind of settled in to your soul. It's going to be the weapon for your battle. It's going to be the key that gets you out of that prison you might find yourself in today. That's the power of praise. It's what my mom really was trying to teach me when I was little. And it's why I now say it to my kids. Praise the Lord. There's just a bit more depth to it now. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for being all-powerful. God, thank you for being the one who, who does great things. God, thank you for what you have done in our lives. Lord, those who have walked with you, um, you've been faithful. God, even through the most painful scenarios, you are with us. And God, thank you that you're right now preparing a new heavens and a new earth uh, where all sad stories will be untrue uh, in light of eternity with you, God. Thank you that it's not some cliche but it's a powerful reality. Would you help us in this room, Lord, those who are in a battle, help us to take up the weapon of praise. Those of us in the room who are in a prison, help us, God, to take the key of praise and be set free. And God, for those of us who are dealing with the sickness of the soul, God, help us to find praise, be a remedy, a cure 
for that ailment, God, that we could be healthy, that we could live vibrant lives, praising you with every breath and with our whole lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.